Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and our guest today is A's catcher Josh Fegley, who discusses how he adjusted his swing, has a very unexpected explanation for that tent gesture he makes over his head, and what about that pina colada song? Anyway, next on A's Plus. Our guest today on the A's Plus podcast is A's catcher Josh Fegley, uh, who's really having a breakout season. Josh, last year when you were on A's Plus, you talked about some of the changes you were making with your swing. Uh, how much is some of those things that you've incorporated, uh, how much of that is helping you now with, with really what you're doing offensively? Um, I, I think I really nailed down the swing plane that I wanted last year. Um, as far as my setup and stance and the way I get loaded, it's kind of completely different. Um, but I feel like I had to do a whole lot of things kind of wrong to lead me to making this change. So it is a little different from last year. I felt like my swing was okay at the end of last year. Um, but that just kind of led me to, you know, the swing that I have now and and making that adjustment. I knew the plane I wanted. I knew that. My barrel had really been dipping under my hands for years in a row, and I needed to make a change there. So um, it was just kind of a realization I came to and just trying to, you know, make that adjustment. So was it a matter of just kind of getting your hands in the right position to start the swing? How, how do you go about that? How, would you? Uh, what's the adjustment, if it's easy to describe? Well, um, my upper body tends to lean over the plate. Um, so then I kind of have to rotate upwards and then my hands drop because of that and rotating and 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 then I'm going uphill and kind of pulling the bat through instead of swinging at the ball and and so my hand position allows me to load straight back but it also when I have my hands kind of in close I have to stay upright or I really you know I can feel hunched or the bat almost leans over the plate so it's it's almost like when I get in a starting point that I want it kind of locks in a bunch of different keys for me as far as staying upright, staying back, staying tall and linear, and going directly to the zone instead of kind of spinning towards third and dragging the bat through. That's so interesting. I mean, it's so funny how different players take such different approaches to getting in the right position because yeah. it sounds like you're the exact opposite of what Olsen figured out a couple years ago, starting out with his hands kind of far right. and then bringing them in to wind up in the right position. You're starting yeah. a little in and then going back out if need be, right? Basically. Right, yeah. Well, I think what he does well is his hands start out, and then he just loads his hands. His body, you just see his torso doesn't move. Right. With me, when my hands are out, I just spin at the hips. My hands don't go anywhere. <laughs> I just turn, and then I have to obviously uncoil, and that just leads to all kinds of... So you have to put them where you want them to start off with, yeah, basically. Yeah, I almost have to lock them so they can't go through my chest backwards. They have to go back to the plate, or back to the catcher, so... I love talking hitting with you, and this is, <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, you've got seven homers in the previous three years with the team, you had six, and a lot of the guys that have played with you for a long time, um, Bassett, Montas, people like that have said they always thought you would do this with regular playing time. Is it the adjustments? Is it the regular playing time? Obviously, it's really hard to get your timing when you're not playing every day, and now you finally are. Yeah, I think when you when you get consistent at bats, you can feel the consistency of like your stance and setup. I feel like if you're getting you know maybe two games a week, you might. F- 
figure out, oh, I need to change this with my hands. My lower half's great. I need to change this with my hands. And then four days go by, and you get in the game, and all of a sudden your lower half's doing something different than it was. And it's just kind of like your body never gets in that rhythm of repeating. And so, like, you're able to make small adjustments playing every day, like, oh, I just didn't get loaded in time. But when you're, you know, once a week, twice a week, you just feel completely different every game. It's like starting new, and, and you just – it's battle mode from from first pitch and and you're just trying to kind of fight the bat to the ball and and do what you can you know to kind of i mean get a hit help the team you know drive in a run you know move a guy something you know just try to contribute in some way so i feel like you get that consistent feel of oh i'm keep making this mistake i can change it instead of just literally taking a new swing into the game every time right and, and you're also seeing big league pitching every day which you can't I mean there's just no way to simulate that right. if you're not playing is that kind of the the idea yeah absolutely and and you know I've I've chased my share of pitches down in a way like breaking balls but the more I see them the more I can tell like you know where they need to start to be strikes um, out of the hand and and the big thing with you know, not having to panic and just battle is you can you can wait. You know, you can recognize pitches. Uh, the timing of the game tends to slow down. You trust yourself a little more, and then you're not just swinging out of the hand. You know, hoping it's a fastball when it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like just that consistency is something that everyone needs. You know, and and you never know on any other team if there's a guy hitting 200 or less that could do this. You know, with those at bats. But you know, that's kind of the you know, the scouting department, the front office decision on who they give chances. And I'm just fortunate to, you know, this is my fifth year here and they're willing to give me the shot. Uh, people, I think, understand, too, that when you're a catcher, your first priority is catching, which can also make things a little different. You've got, you, you've got to really focus on that. Sometimes the offense is, is a little bit secondary. Uh, this last, especially, you know, three to four weeks, the rotation has started to kind of round into shape. Obviously, you're part of that. You're calling the games. Uh, what have you thought of the rotation and what they've been doing? I mean, I, I think I said this earlier in the year. My, my years with Oakland, we tend to, I mean, even though, you know, we may not look like we're going to win on paper, you know, in previous years, but we believe we're really good in the clubhouse. So we come out in April, is, it, it is kind of always slow for us, and I think that's the pressure we put on ourselves like we know we're good and we want to show everybody and jump out to a good start and and you know I, I've been telling people when we settle in and just are confident in our abilities and we're not really trying to make sure our numbers are good at the beginning and you know pitch perfectly and we just settle in and, and let our stuff work and and play the game we know how to play, then, then that's when you start seeing our offense kind of swing the bats. You see our pitchers kind of settle in and make pitches. And, and it's, it's that mid-season grind where all of a sudden the days are kind of warping into each other and you just, you just go about that consistent approach. And I feel like early on people are excited. They feel good and, and they're kind of hanging on to every bat, every pitch, and taking it into the next game. And, and whenever we can lose that kind of approach, I feel like that's when you see our team perform like they can. Since Bassett and Montes just walked by, I'm uh, actually writing a story for the Chronicle about how Bassett, Montes, and Mengden, kind of the three younger guys with a little less experience, but have been the guys bouncing back and forth for three or four years, seem like they've kind of taken an, a big stride this year, um, matured. And I know especially with Bassett and Montes, 
you've, you've known them for a long time, you've caught them for a long time. What are you seeing from them, uh, particularly this year, with you know, their ability to minimize damage, get deeper into games? Um, you know, really, I think uh, it's, Bob's keeps saying like kind of another level. Do you see that? Yeah, and it relates a lot to kind of what I'm doing as far as getting the opportunity and feeling like I can settle in. I'm not trying to earn a spot. Um, with them, you know, they've been the guys bouncing back and forth. And when they pitch, you know, there's that extra weight on it with, you know, if I, if I have a bad outing, I could be going back or, you know, my role could be lessened. But, I mean, there are rotation pieces and they know they're going out every fifth day. And so they're able to kind of lose that, you know, extra weight as far as proving something and just then focus on their pitches and their game and what they're going to work on in that start and executing their pitches. And, and I think they're seeing that what they've always believed, their stuff is good, does play at this level, and, and they're really good. They've got good stuff, good movement on their fastballs, everybody. And they're seeing that play against big league lineups, gaining that confidence, and now they're just settling and making their pitches. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like <coughs> maturity and, and confidence, really. And, um, you know, the, like the rotation looks settled. I mean, that's for after, you know, maybe it being a little bit of a question mark coming to the season. Right, and I, I think you saw the same thing last year with some yeah. of the younger guys stepping in or, you know, some of the guys we picked up late um, just settling in and, and worrying about their start and just being competitive and giving us our, giving our team a chance to win the game. And, and then you see our offense come around and, and score runs and, and then, you know, then it feels like anybody can go out and pitch as long as they don't give up 10, you know, we're going to win the game. But... That's the feeling these guys have, that our bats are going to carry us. And, and like Frankie, you know, he had a rough inning yesterday. But he goes out and puts up two more zeros and, and gives our team a chance. And we come right back. And, and I think all the pitchers have confidence in our team. And that's helping them have confidence in their stuff. Yeah. This um, run you guys have been on, um, it was 11 undefeated. Um, including that suspended game. Uh, I'm sure in the clubhouse the feeling is this is the team you guys felt that you were. Early on, you know, there were some issues in the rotation. There were a couple of little bullpen snafus. You guys were having a tough time on the road. Uh, you feel like that this is this is kind of more who you are and, and you guys are ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the frustration early on because we knew we can play like this and we weren't. You know, it wasn't – we weren't going out playing good baseball and getting beat. You know, we were beating ourselves. We were, you know, having bad at bats. Uh, you know, we weren't swinging it great situationally, not driving in runs, not getting guys over, not, I mean, not playing like solid baseball. And I feel like once the focus went to, let's just grind out every at bat and just play solid ball and, and try to help the team, um, you know, do what we're supposed to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel like that takes the pressure off yourself to perform and you're just like, you're part of this unit that can play really well and, and you're seeing it from every single guy that steps on the field, some contributions. Now, I hate to ask you a question on the one game you guys have lost essentially in the last two, two <coughs> weeks, but um, in the ninth inning of the loss in the first game to the Angels, um, Joaquin started through a one-two pitch that, that looked like it hit the strike zone. You couldn't quite hang on to it. Uh, home plate umpire James Hoy looked like initially like he might call the strike and then he didn't. Do you, you know, as a catcher, do you, how do you kind of look at that? Is that if he, if you wind up handling that ball, does he call a strike? How do you see it? Well, that that's the big question mark that I've got to live with. And you know, if I catch that, does he call it a strike? And so, you know, my my first reaction and thought is just you got to catch the ball there. Um, you know, it wasn't located where I thought it was going to be. Um, it didn't. It didn't quite move the way I thought it was going to move, but but still, that's you know in that situation, 
you just have to catch the ball and give us a chance. Um, you know, there's also there's guys on base. You know, I can't let a breaking ball go by. So, you know, I'm kind of more in a defensive block mode there than receiving. Um, and with an off-speed pitch like that, you're kind of looking for deception and like a swing and miss type thing. And you're not really thinking about like a borderline pitch that he's going to take. Um, and and Otani, he seems to be like kind of in swing mode and he can kind of handle a lot of pitches out of the zone, at least foul them off and fight them off. So for him to take that pitch and in the location that it was, I mean, it was kind of a perfect storm. And, you know, if I just catch the ball, I think we have a better shot. Um, but, you know, that's that's not the way we wanted to snap a winning streak. But, um, you know, like I said, Frankie gave us a chance to win that game and kept us in it. And we were crawling back. I felt like the momentum was on our side. And that was a, that was a big pitch. And then it kind of, you know, quickly got out of hand. And uh, you could kind of feel the wind out of the sails. And, you know, that's just that's part of the game. One little pitch, one little play can change the outcome. Yeah, that's baseball. Mm -hmm. Now, I asked you about this yesterday, but uh, for, for the record now, um, got some interesting things going on um, with you. First of all, when you um, homer or drive in runs, you, you, you've made, been making kind of a little tent signal over your head. Explain to us what that means, which you did yesterday, and it made me laugh. So, uh, it's just, yeah, it's. It's not as intricate as most things that people do out there. Uh, it was a boring rain delay in Nashville. Uh, uh, J.B. Wendelkin and myself were just kind of on our phones looking at all kinds of stuff, and, and we came across a picture of a life-size tent that was made completely out of meat. I mean, it, it looks disgusting, and I think that we thought it was hilarious. And and uh, it's not very practical. No, no, it's Wouldn't not. Bear, it bear, it might, bears would come and eat your tent. It, could, it might be really warm and insulating, but I, <laughs> gooey. I, I don't know. But, Smelly. Yeah, but it just kind of became JB and I's handshake, and then uh, then he was signaling me from the bullpen, and then then it turned into the whole bullpen was signaling it. And then the dugout started getting it. So now I'm, I'm just firing it all over the field. And, the, and meat, so, the meat tent. The meat tent, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's weird. And that's baseball for you, I guess. Weird stuff. Whatever but, uh, works, I guess. Yeah. 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 But I, meat tent it is. You can find pictures of all kinds of stuff, I guess. I do, don't, don't look too close. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, and in fact, <laughs> don't Google meat tent, by the way. I don't, I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> Also, your walk-up music has been getting a lot of attention lately. You, you, you've been using the Pina, Pina Colada song. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Just a random song that I kind of liked. Uh, I, I would say self-evaluating. I'm a terrible walk-out song chooser. Um, and so I was actually listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, and that's on there. They have an, a lot of classic songs. and. And, uh, you know, with the kids in the car, it's, it's easy to pick something that, you know, is family appropriate. <clears throat> and I just, it's a song that I've heard tons of times in my life, but never really understood the lyrics and what it actually meant, which is part of the joke as well, because very happily married with my wife. And, and she said she didn't even notice the first line of the song was, you know, I'm tired of my lady. And, <clears throat> and she's like, I never would have even picked that up if you didn't say it. And I was like, yeah, now I kind of don't want to use it. But she was like, you know. And so I used it for one game. And, and then I, I changed it. But for some reason, we got back from the road trip. And, and 
honestly, the media people went back to playing it by accident. Yeah. And then I had a great game, and then everyone's saying how great my walkout song is, and yeah. so I'm like, now I have to stick with it. Yeah. And so now it's getting a lot of attention, and I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it might even be better than Reddick and Careless Whisper, <clears throat> which I never thought I would say. That's The Pina yeah, Colada song is pretty, pretty classic. I wouldn't put it up that high with that song. Uh, even when he's come back after he's left, he gets a pretty good yeah. ovation with Careless Whisper, but... Well, again, yeah. whatever works, I, you know, Absolutely. just keep, keep using it for, yeah. you know. Pina coladas and the meat tent. <laughs> the meat tent, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't, there's nowhere to go after that. So we will say goodbye until next time. Josh Fegley, always a pleasure to have you on Ace Plus. Thanks for having me. Our thanks again to Josh Fegley for joining us on A's Plus. Our producers today were King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. We'll be back again next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.